It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. The Kansas City Chiefs are really beyond comparison, but let's give it a shot. Welcome back to Locked On Cheese, folks. I'm Ryan, the founder of Rogue Analytics and your host over at RGR Football on YouTube. Now today we are brought to you by Built Bar. Please check them out and use that code Locked On for a big discount. My kids love them. In fact, the wife even loves them now, too. The chocolate mint is her favorite flavor, and so we're buying that in bulk these days. And Michael Jordan's Last Dance documentary is really captivating audiences and getting a lot of questions thrown my way about how the Chiefs compare to that particular team and the era of Michael Jordan. Uh, and yes, there's a couple of things that you could take away about plugs that make this offense work, including Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, uh, and to a certain extent, Sammy Watkins as well. And there is a lot that you could call them. I am very intrigued about how you all feel about so that we will explore that. And this all got started on the RGR Q&A session on Monday night, which I do every Monday night, so you can get your questions answered. Uh, so feel free to join the YouTube channel on next Monday, and we'll go through that. I don't really buy into the whole basketball, football comparison thing. I know a lot of analysts are using it these days, uh, especially in reference to building a wide receiver group, and that's fine, varied skill sets and everything, but the games are so different. And let's, let's not kid ourselves that uh, NBA basketball is not about power or playing defense so there are a lot of different aspects that don't really match up but this whole thing about who plays what roles and who makes things happen and yes Patrick Mahomes in this analogy is the Michael Jordan of the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019 and quite frankly probably until 2029 so there's a long way to go there but there are other players to be named as well and I do feel if you're going to pick one person right now on this team that makes things go, it is probably Tyreek Hill. Nothing to take away from Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark because they play serious roles as well. But without Tyreek Hill, this offense definitely changes. And so I think you might call him the Scottie Pippen of this particular Kansas City Chiefs roster. Uh, and there are a couple other players to, to be named. You know, there's Ron Harper, there's uh, <laughs> Rodman, <laughs> there's Horace Grant. And I, I think Frank and, and Tyron would be that Rodman-Horace Grant kind of combination if you were going to take it that far. And that leaves a lot of other bit players uh, to be 
in different roles. Travis Kelsey, maybe Steve Kerr, maybe, you know, there's all kinds of comparisons. And I think even Travis admitted that one uh, in an interview this week. I think that's kind of funny, but that's where the comparisons stop. And yes, there are things that make this team function, but it all comes back, much like with those Bulls, that the guy at the head of the table, in this case, Andy Rigg and Phil Jackson back in the day, are the architects of what's going on overall. And like back in the day, offense has to be out in the forefront with the way those teams play. And I think that part is interesting when you look at philosophy of how you go about getting your games won, uh, trying to get to championships. So that said, a little bit of an exercise. I've gotten a lot of questions about it, and I wanted to give you guys my thoughts on it real quick. We have a great show for you. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk with Matt Derrick about Clyde Edwards-Alaire in particular and what he means to this roster. And then we're going to get into the New York Jets, who the Chiefs will be facing in 2020. Today's episode of Locked on Chiefs is brought to you by Built Bar, protein and energy bars for you and the whole family. We've actually gone through all of the flavors. They're the best tasting bar that we've had. They're really hard to explain unless you try it out. They're real chocolate. They're amazing flavors. There's a low count on the ingredient list. They're gluten-free with no preservatives either. And the kids love them. I love them. I can get them fed in a hurry. Uh, And they have actually replaced some of my midday meals. They're just plain good. They're a really amazing combination of low-calorie but high-protein, low-sugar, and no major additives. If you compare with the most popular men's bar, the Cliff Bars, it's half the calories. Seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugars as well as more protein. It makes you ask, how can it be this good for you and still taste this good? So go to BuiltBar.com today. That's B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. And use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get 10 bucks off of your first box from Built Bar. You won't regret it. Go check out Built Bar today. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, we're back with Matt Derrick, and I want to get into talking about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. When you look at... The fact that, like we talked last time, uh, about the fifth-year option. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you can say whatever you want about where it was picked, what the value was, trade-back scenarios. But in today's day and age, having that fifth-year option, even at the running back position, which a lot of people are complaining about, it gives you that that fulfilled first contract, right? If it is a performance-based thing that really puts him out at, at the top of the thing, you can use that fifth year to keep it under control and not have to pay him a market contract. But does that limit, if he is successful right out the bat, does that kind of limit the chances of him getting a second contract in KC? I mean, I think that it does. I mean, I, I just look at it from, you know, how the game is played right now, how contra- contracts are structured, and, and just the economics of the game. And I think you got to go into this. And I think the Chiefs kind of are probably going into this looking at, that they're going to have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for up to five years, and that's how they're just going to manage it. Um, I think that's about the only way that you can go into it, because 
we're we're in an era now where running backs don't seem to hold up that long. Um, this is a guy that, based on his body of work in college, I think you got to feel pretty good that he's got some mileage left on his tires. So you're not going to have maybe the problems that he's you know flame out early. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to come down to the player. I mean, you know, if this, if, if Clyde Edwards Hilaire plays himself into a position where he wants to be played one of the best running backs in the league, I don't think the Chiefs are ever going to be a franchise under Brett Veach and Andy Reid. It's going to do that. I mean, I think they'd end up letting him walk after five years and move on to something else. So it's going to be more about the fact of, you know, whether he just wants to stay in Kansas City. I mean, this is all assuming he, he hits and becomes a good player. Um, but I think the Chiefs are absolutely looking at this as, this is a four or five year guy, and that's probably it. That's it. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am too. And when we look at the rest of the offense, uh, the whole back and forth with Damian Williams, I think that kind of plays into that scenario. In that they extended him for a couple of years on what I think is a, a pretty reasonable contract, but you can't see him long term being Kansas City. I, I know there's even rumors about them trying to seek a trade for him right now, which I think is kind of. Silly, in my opinion. Where do you stand on the backfield? Is this Damian Williams' job uh, as a primary? Is it a true committee? Where do you think this ends up? I say look at the Chiefs in the last few years, and it's another one of those positions where you can't have enough guys back there. Um, You've got to be prepared with the fact that you might need to go three or four deep in an NFL season with guys to get hurt. Sometimes they don't perform. You've got to be prepared for that. So, And the Chiefs have been in that situation. They have favored... Really, uh, going back to maybe a little bit of the Jamal Charles era, I mean, you know, they they had some guys who were able to step up when Charles went down. Um, but this has always been a team, and I think Andy Reid, even going back to Philadelphia, has always been a coach that he's under the philosophy that I'm better off having three or four guys that I think can handle the football um, rather than just putting all my eggs in one basket. And now, he's had been fortunate that he's had some really good backs in that time, but he's also usually had some pretty good guys behind him. Yeah. So I don't see that changing, and that's why, I mean, I'd be really surprised to see Damian Williams go anywhere because this is a team, it's a Super Bowl team, and I, I don't think that you want to go in with the idea that, hey, your first-round running back goes down, maybe you get somebody else banged up, who do you turn to? Right. Uh, you You need to have somebody back there. Well, and the fact that we have so many names we can point to from Philadelphia. I think that tells the tale right there. So I'm with you there. Not much change at the the – specialty position of pass catchers. So really it's about there's a new draft pick that is along the offensive line and his role I think is going to be an exploration to tell you the truth. How do you feel about the rest of the group, uh, the incumbents along the offensive line? And right now, if you look at it, who's the, the best five that are likely to play? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I I, I think the four are set. I'd be really surprised if, if, if Austin Ryder doesn't hold on to that center position. Uh, he might have some competition. I mean, it really depends on how well, you know, Nick Allegretti has come along. Um, he, I think, would be the most likely to challenge for that center spot. Um, the left guard's going to be really intriguing. I mean, I, my gut right now tells me that, that Andrew Wiley is probably going to come in as the incumbent there. But we will see. I mean, the the one tough part about for all the rookies, even, even Lucas Niang, is that with the limited offseason, it's going to be hard to win that job. So you are probably going to be thinking for all those positions on the offensive line that being the veteran, being the incumbent is going to be the advantage. So maybe that puts you into a spot where it's Wiley and Mike Rimmers who are really competing for that left guard spot. 
Um, and then you go with some young guys who are your, your next three big guys on the line and can come in and, and play for you. And you're going to, you got obviously a draft pick that you like there. And there's a couple of other young guys that this team's really high on. Um, but I'll be intrigued. I mean, that's what I, I, I would think right now would be Wiley and Rimmers competing for that left guard spot, unless something just changes dramatically and these guys are able to, to get out on the field and compete for the job. But I think it's going to be really, really tough for first-year guys to come in and, and get playing time this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Niang's probably uh, a candidate for that swing tackle backup position. But um, I'm interested in your thoughts on Rankin. If he does come back healthy enough, is he another candidate for that? I know he played outside uh, previously, but they had him at guard last season. Like I, I still see him as fairly versatile. How do you feel? Yeah, I I think he kind of fits into that category where they feel like he is the you know one of those Swiss Army knife types. I mean, he's the guy that they feel like can play four different positions. I don't know if I'd throw him in that center, but um, <laughs> you know he's he's a guy that they believe can feel play different spots. Uh, we will see. I mean, I haven't heard anything specifically from him or about him, um, but patella tendon rupture. Uh, that's you're usually lucky if that's a twelve month recovery. I mean, if it's anything less than that. And that was late enough in the season that I got to think it's going to be incredibly tough. So if I'm the Chiefs, I, I don't go into this season counting on, on Rankin at all. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just crossing my fingers and saying, hey, if he can come in and compete at some point and provide some depth, that's fantastic. But I think the idea of thinking that he's going to be able to, you know, play week one, I think that's a big ask. And you're cross, probably crossing your fingers a little bit. Yeah, that that seems structurally problematic at best. I just don't even know if there's a, a need at that point or if he's a candidate to just uh, sit on the pup because I don't know that outs, uh, outside then it's probably a, more of a stretch for him right now than, than it should be. So I really don't see the, the need because of the, the cluster of left guard options in particular. So maybe they just let him sit. I'm not, I'm not certain, but... Other than those guys, a um, couple of questions about uh, fit and finish, how things might adjust on the offensive side of the ball this year. A uh, couple of wrinkles, obviously, with the new running back. Uh, the return of John Lovett is something I'm really intrigued by. I might be the only one. I don't know. But what does, in your opinion, the the addition of Edwards Lair, uh, what seems to be a little bit more focus on the running back position, how does that fare into some of the guys that aren't Kelsey and Hill and Watkins? Yeah, you know, I, the, the addition of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, the one person that I think it, it's intriguing the most for me now is, you know, they go out and sign DeAndre Washington, which, you know, you look at the depth-wise, you look at the numbers, and, you know, hey, you know that uh, Edwards-Hilaire, Damian Williams going to make this team. You're going to have Anthony Sherman. There's three guys right there. So uh, you're really talking about it, Max, two more guys, and you've got, Darwin Thompson, you got Daryl Williams who will be back. Um, you know, Washington, I think, you know, now kind of fighting for that spot. And when you throw in a love it, yeah, you know what? I, I think you'd almost have to count him as a third tight end. But if he's going to make this, make the, if, if Lovett's going to make this team, you can't carry three tight ends and five running backs. I mean, you know, that's just, yeah. I think, the reality of it. So I think you're, if Lovett makes this team, I think you're accepting the fact that. You're going to run with Travis Kelsey and likely Ricky Seals Jones as your your tight ends, and Lovett's your guy. Um, I loved John Lovett last year. I mean, I thought he was really intriguing. I mean, it's 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 a fantastic story. He's a good dude. Um, I want to see more of him, mm-hmm. but I, I'm at this point. I'm like, I think that 
so rarely do these things hit. I mean, occasionally they do. And the Chiefs have been trying now for the last few years. I mean, you know, I think I think Brett Veach wants to prove to everybody that he can go out and find a Trey Burton type. And and that's what they're looking for. Um, you know what? I mean, I, I I think that these lottery tickets are maybe you know less than ten percent hits, and more than likely it's not going to hit. But I I want to yeah I'm with you. I'm when I want to see more of the guy, but I'm not thinking it's anything close to a sure thing. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm more hopeful than anything, but I, I love the fit. So uh, that's enough of daydreaming for me. Sorry about that. We'll get sidetracked some other way here in a minute. And actually, it's going to be more than a minute because I'm going to take this opportunity to bring Matt back tomorrow so they can switch over to the other side and talk about a couple of other options. Really interesting about where this team is going. So check back for that tomorrow. When we get back from this break, I'm going to bring in John Buchko. We're going to talk about uh, the New York Jets and how they match up with the Kansas City Chiefs, what we might see from them as they get ready to play each other in this 2020 season. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And before I welcome in John Bushko from Locked On Jets, I just want to give you guys, I'm going to flip this a little bit. We had a good conversation. I'm sure you want to hear how he grills me about the Chiefs, probably a little bit more so. So I'm going to show you this side of it, where I answer the questions that John asks, and he's going to get started right now. We continue our AFC East, AFC West crossover week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me today is Ryan Tracy, the co-host of Locked On Chiefs representing the defending Super Bowl champions. Ryan, welcome. Thanks. How are you? Well, not, not as good as you. I mean, you, you're, here you are representing the Super Bowl champions. So talk to me a little bit. Chiefs went five decades, just like the Jets. It's been over five decades since the Jets won the championship. Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. What's it like? It, it may mean that you're next. I don't know, because uh, that is a long road to wait out. It's been fun, but uh, I don't want to wait another 50, I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely. I, I hear you. So take me through some of the key additions and losses the Chiefs have had this offseason. You know, the great thing is there hasn't been many losses. The Chiefs are returning 20 out of 22 Super Bowl starters. 
Uh, they did lose Steve Wojcicki over to the Steelers. That's kind of his home territory. So that writing was on the wall. And other than that, they've had a couple of little things here and there. Right now, uh, the big question mark is Chris Jones is still on the roster under the franchise tag. Um, they are still trying to negotiate. I don't see that making a whole lot of headway. So I think he is going to play this year. Uh, definitely in Kansas City, I don't think there's any trade value any longer. Uh, whether it's on the tag or on a new contract, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But uh, the additions-wise, it's been really about a focus of Brett Veach getting Chiefs back. Sammy Watkins returned. Uh, Demarcus Robinson returned. Uh, obviously, Chris is there. Lost Kendall Fuller. Lost Reggie Ragland. So a, a couple of things here and there, but I think they feel pretty good about where they're at. Now I look at this Chiefs offense and it's the envy of the league. You look at the playmakers they have, you look at the scheme that they have, you look at the quarterback that they have. If you're trying to build a game plan to stop this offense, what do you, how do you do it? I, I don't know. Find LT and suit him back up. It's tough. You have to be able to get pressure with four and you have to be able to at least play quarters or man quarters enough to try to contain the speed between Hill, Hardman, and Watkins. Uh, it's a tall order. Now, who's the go-to guy? Is it Kelsey? Is it Hill? Who, who's the most important piece on this offense, do you think? Yes. Um, it's all of them. I mean, I've been saying this all week because everybody's been asking me about the uh, the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. And I have to say that his Pippen is Tyreek Hill. When you take Hill off of the field, whether it's injury or anything else, it, it does change the offensive flow. Uh, teams do creep down. They get out of too high more. So it changes the way that Patrick Mahomes has to survey the field. Uh, but I would say it, it's Hill, Kelsey, Watkins, Hardman, and will be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, one of the things that's always interested me is the fact that the Chiefs sat Patrick Mahomes that first year. And how important do you think that was for his development? Because that was a guy who, I'll admit it, and I, I was not, I wasn't down on him. I just wasn't really sure what to make of him when he was coming out of the draft process. And it's always the question of how much are quarterbacks influenced by their circumstances versus how much is just natural ability. And I'm just kind of curious your take as to how much the situation has helped Mahomes develop as quickly as he has. It's been critical. Uh, I, too, was one that had questions. I had him as the number two quarterback in his draft class behind Deshaun Watson because of the footwork, because of the, the, the strange platform. Um, and I do have to say that there are a few places in the league that he could have landed that did him any more justice than the Chiefs did. Between Andy Reid's creativity in in taking what his strengths are and using them for good rather than evil, um, that's one thing. But the fact that you had Alex Smith, who is... Um, and if you, you missed the ESPN piece on Alex and his recovery from his injury, it was really critical in there to see Andy Reid's portrayal of why he wanted Alex. And it was his resiliency. It was his leadership. It was his ability to mentor and be <clears throat> a game manager plus <laughs> is, is the way that I like to term it. And I think all that knowledge and all that confidence, I think, boils down. And for a kid like Patrick, who relies on his uh, athleticism and his innate ability, and he still does to this day. Uh, I think to see that preparation, to see that level of detail about how to prepare, I think that really went a long way. So between the quarterback and the coach and that time, I don't think Patrick Mahomes would be this Patrick Mahomes if he had landed anywhere else. Now, one of the points I make on my show at times is you really can't build a Super Bowl champion overnight. I mean, I know the NFL is a quick turnaround league, and I know that 
you can you can improve drastically very quickly. But I think the Chiefs are a good example of that because you look at where they were when Andy Reid took over. I, mean, I think they had the number one overall pick at, during Reid's first. Not the not that they were that bad that year, but the year before he came and they, they got the number one overall pick. And it's kind of felt like a slow build where they made the playoffs the first year, but there has been, there's been some heartbreak in the postseason. There's been, you know, they've needed to find a new quarterback to take them to that next level. Can you just speak to the, the patience you've had to have as a Chiefs fan throughout this journey? Well, you know, and it's been, it's been spots of brightness. You know, there were the Montana years in the mid nineties. Uh, there was the, the priest Holmes Vermeil offense with Trey green. I mean, you've seen little sparks, but it, they just couldn't ever put it all together. And I think the unique thing that Andy Reed has done and, and credit to John Dorsey while he was here too, the two of them meshed well for a while. Um, but Brett Veach taking over is an extension of Andy Reed. And so it takes, what the concept was in Philadelphia when he had the dream teams and they fell apart. Uh, it's because he was spread too thin. Now he has an extension of his philosophy of his um, film takes. It, it's funny to see the two of them talk on chiefs media. The official media, uh, the chiefs do is, is really great. Cause you get some insight. The two of them agree on evaluation, even on film without seeing it together. And that I think really goes hand in hand and it allows them to put pieces in place. Alex was, a stopgap. They traded for him specifically because Andy Reid knew from his pre-draft evaluation that he could run his offense and get them farther down the road. In the meantime, they were able to draft some skill players to put around him. They were able to strengthen the offensive line beyond Eric Fisher, that first round pick. And I think that all set up, again, a, a perfect storm of building the pieces around Patrick so that when he was able to step in, he had weapons to throw to and at least enough time to do what he does since he is actually, I think, better throwing on the run than he is from the pocket. Now, the Chiefs have benefited from, I think, the greatest asset you can have in the NFL, which is the quality young quarterback and probably underselling Mahomes a little bit by calling him a quality young quarterback, but the quality young quarterback on the rookie deal because you get the you get the quality quarterback play. And again, that's underselling Mahomes, but you also aren't paying anything for that. So you can build up the rest of the roster uh, to what extent are you concerned now that Mahomes is going to require an extension, which very well could make him the highest paid player in the NFL? I, I think it's going to break the bank. Um, the people that are saying $50 million a year, I think that's a little nuts, uh, especially given what we're seeing, uh, the financial side of this year's possible delays, possible empty stadiums. I think that's going to play a big factor. I think it also is delaying that contract. I don't expect them to get it done before the season because there's just too much question mark out there for the team itself, but yeah, I mean, two out of three seasons, he's been the MVP of one fashion or the other, right? I mean, you're running on borrowed time, but I, you really can't get much better out of a rookie contract. Eventually, you'll have to pay the piper. This fifth-year option is going to buy them time uh, to try and square out some other things, and again, that's that's a factor in the Chris Jones deal as well. Um, so it's going to be an exercise in new era financials for this new CBA because he's going to be the first major uh, bar raiser and we'll see what the fallout is from there. I, I'm, I'm confident, but I'm not overly optimistic about the talent that they can bring in after that contract. Now let's talk about the other side of the ball for a, a little bit. And I, you know, I always hear like media pundits and announcers say, well, this chief's defense gets no respect. And I say, you know, no, and I don't mean disrespect to the chief's defense, but yeah, the one side of the ball has Mahomes and Kelsey and, Hill and all those guys, of course, they get more attention. But um, 
Talk a little bit about some of the key difference makers on that side of the ball for the Chiefs. Well, it's a work in progress. And the other thing, it, it was a difficult decision. I think Andy Reid tried to be loyal to Bob Sutton, the previous defensive coordinator, but it just wasn't working. It was not modern enough, uh, whatever wrinkles he tried to do. So he had to make a big change. So last year was the first season of Steve Spagnuolo's system in Kansas City. Uh, a lot of personnel change from a 3-4 to a 4-3, the bigger DNs. Uh, quite a rotation along the defensive front because he had to have it because he just didn't know what he had and who could play into his system. Um, some veterans came in. Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew are the alphas on that defense, uh, together with Anthony Hitchens, who is not the most vocal linebacker, but he is the leader. He is the green dot on that defense, and he keeps everything together. He will be here at least another season. Um, highly paid as a free agent. Some question about whether he's lived up to that. I, I don't think he's going to get another contract in Kansas City, so there'll be some transition there. But in the meantime, you've got a little bit of build at every level. Juan Thornhill came in as a rookie last season, played above expectations, um, even mine, and I had him as, as the top safety in the class. So that allows them to allow Tyron Matthew to do his thing, kind of roam the robber areas, get in the middle of the field and make plays. And even though the guy's the smallest player on the field, he consistently comes up with plays. They brought him to Kansas City to do that. They brought him to be a vocal leader. And I think this is, again, another instance of time playing its factor that Tyron Matthew was not a guy that I would have drafted. I had him off my board because of the off-field things, and now he's turned his life around and he's a leader in that particular room, and I think it set them up uh, despite losing guys like Reggie Ragland and Kendall Fuller, who had an interception in the Super Bowl. Um, I think their weakness is still against the run, but I think it's a calculated effort that they're going to allow some yardage on the ground and play team defense in, against the pass, and knowing that they have Mahomes out there to, to keep pace. It's funny that you mentioned Bob Sutton because he was a longtime Jets assistant before he went to Kansas City. In fact, I believe he worked under four different Jets head coaches uh, prior to going to the Chiefs back in 2013. But I also think about another former Jets assistant, and that was Mike Westhoff, who was got a guy who was with the Jets for a long time and was a great special teams coach. And, you know, when you think about the Chiefs, that's that's the unit, the special teams that I think kind of flies under the radar. And you guys have one of the best special team coaches in the league, a guy who I think deserves a look at a head coaching job. Can you talk about just what special teams means to that team? Yeah, Dave Tobe is unique. I mean, back from the Chicago Devin Hester days to what he's done here in Kansas City, he is an ace. And it's not about just kick returns. You look at the production from the kick units and how much points they put up, percentages that they play. It's a really important part as a crutch to allow young Mahomes to mature, to allow the rebuild on defense, to know that you have a phase of the ball that you can rely on. And it's because of Dave Tobe. He lost his um, assistant, Olivio, a, a couple of years ago and has just kind of kept rolling. And I agree with you. I think he should be a head coaching candidate because he is he's a leader. He is not just a tactician. He's a leader amongst those groups and has a unique ability in what I feel is a more and more a divided locker room in the NFL, this this modern era of defense versus offense. He pulls from both sides, and he gets the most out of those you know, bottom 10 players on any roster. Uh, I do expect him to get a shot at a head coaching gig. Yeah, and that's you know one of my things in the NFL is I just think teams do this all wrong, where, you know, if Andy Reid, and Andy Reid's the best offensive mind in the league for my money, but if it was just about his offensive mind, he'd be a coordinator. He There's so many other things he brings to the table that that go beyond his offensive scheme. And it's look, if you have a guy who brings that type of X's and O's ac acumen, 
that's great. But there are just more, there's things that are so much more important for a head coach, I think. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. And it's about he's very big on his tree. We we know that the how expansive his coaching tree has become, but he goes back to that well. That's where Spagnolo came from. Dave Tobe is an old friend as well. A lot of commonalities. And I think that Andy Reid has been dubbed a player's coach in the past. I do feel that he holds players accountable more so than than the normal, uh, you know, stereotypical players coach. But a lot of that comes from his coordinators, that he has investment in them, uh, not only as coaches, but as people. And I think that that all meshes together and, and creates a coaching staff that functions at a unit uh, at probably the highest level in the league. Just really quick, just some thoughts on the Chiefs draft class. I mean, as though that offense needed any more help, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round, my goodness. Yeah, and, and it's funny because they went and got the soon-to-be replacement of a guy that was probably the runner-up for the MVP of the Super Bowl in Damian Williams. So uh, it's the rich getting richer as far as the offense goes. But I think you also saw what happened around the league, and particularly in the AFC West, where everybody is trying to get speed and trying to get the ability to put up points. So make a strength stronger. And I think Edwards Lair just reminds both each and Reed because of their time in Philadelphia of some of the players, Westbrook in particular, uh, that they can see on film as a flashback and know that that fit is just so good into this offense. It's not a player they could pass up. So usually I ask expectations, but I have a feeling with the chiefs, I mean, expectations are you're, you're hoping to repeat as champions, right? Yeah, and uh, I don't mean to be, you know, as a guy who covers the team and has for a long time, you get a little bit, um, you know, dog-eared. But I got to say, I don't expect them to be picking any lower than 28 next year, and it could be 32 again. I'll tell you, I mean, Jets fans look at the schedule, and I think any NFL fan says, like, oh, we could win all these games. But even Jets fans are saying, all right, that game in Kansas City, that's the one that uh, might be trying to want to find something different to do that Sunday. Yeah, we'll work up to that one. You know, hey, let's get 10 wins elsewhere. And, and that's what the Chiefs did three years ago. You know, so it is a process and everybody can do it. Yeah, well, I mean, the last I think the last time the Jets and Chiefs played, the Jets actually beat them in 2017. But the last Jets trip to Kansas City was the Ryan Fitzpatrick six interception game. Yeah, you know, Peyton Manning had one of those two against these Chiefs. So don't take it too hard. All right. Well, Ryan, great chatting with you. Thanks for the info. I appreciate it. You too, buddy. And that's it for us today. Tomorrow we're going to be back. Matt and I are going to dig into what else we need to look at on the defensive side as we look right now at the mid-May, where the Chiefs are at and where they're going. Also going to get Joe Marino from the Draft Network and host of Locked on Bills in, and we're going to discuss some Bills-Chiefs action, which I think is going to be one of the highlights of the 2020 season. Thanks for listening today. We'll check you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.